All right, good morning, guys. Hey, I need to know, where are my superhero fans at? Come on, be proud of it, Batman, Superman, The Flash. We're my comic book nerds. It's okay, you can embrace this moment. I'm one of you guys, okay? There's no judgment coming from up here this morning. Uh, what I'd like to do, though, is I want to start off talking about probably one of the most iconic, iconic comic book characters to ever exist, okay? This is somebody who started off and is well-known in the DC comic book universe. They are extremely well-skilled in all sorts of combat and fighting techniques, okay? They came around uh, early on in the 1940s. This is a character that lives in a mansion in Gotham City, works out of a bat cave, okay? Fights for justice in the world, has kind of a loner Identity, all right? Somebody who's got uh, this secret that they can't share with anybody else, right? Obviously, we all know I'm talking about Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, right? Okay, right? We think about Alfred Pennyworth here. One of the most iconic ones, right? Like, he's the butler from a well-known, like, DC comic series in here. He fights against, he fights for justice and against criminals with some other guys, right? And like, he does all this incredible stuff. He's been played by big name actors like, uh, Jeremy Irons and Michael Caine. And he does all of these things with the utmost class and composure. Could you imagine what the comic book world would be like without Alfred Pennyworth? Right? No. Okay, right. Like, if we're being honest, nobody cares about Alfred the Butler. Right? Like, you didn't even know who this guy was, let alone what his last name was until like a minute ago. Right? The story's not about Alfred. When we think of this, who are we thinking of? Batman, right? Like, Batman's the hero. He's the guy with all the cool gadgets and cars and, and planes and he's fighting all the criminals. Like, Batman is who this is all about. He's the hero of the story. Alfred is kind of cool, but let's be honest, man. It is all about Batman. Batman is the hero of the story. We're working through our gospel fluency series here, uh, touching on the main idea of speaking the truth of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life. And we've had a lot of great talks and conversations, hopefully you have in your life groups as well, uh, covering everything for how is the gospel throughout the entirety of the Bible. Uh, we've talked about fruit to root. Uh, we've even talked about the meal last week. If you missed any of those, feel free to jump on the app or website and catch up. There's some incredible, incredible things that you can talk about. But today, today we're going to focus on the hero of the story. The hero of the story. Now, if you like to read or have seen any movies like any time, you know that it's pretty easy to identify the protagonist, the hero, right? Like we can find out all sorts of stuff because they spend a lot of time in every story giving us some background information or some character development. We know all about their history. We know what things they've gone through, what makes them special, their skills, the struggles, that they go through, we can tell very quickly on who the hero of every story is. The reality is they stand out above every other character in the story. There's something about the hero of the story where they just seem to be above and stand out above anybody else who might play a role in the story. And if we were to stop and take inventory of our own lives, of our own story, we would know this about ourselves as well. Like We would recognize this about ourselves too when we tell our story. 
But the problem is when it comes to our story that if we proclaim Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life and we're pursuing after Him, we have one fundamental issue. It's simply this, that you are not the hero of your own story. Jesus is. You are not the hero of your own story. Jesus is. And in fact, Jesus has been the hero all along. He even points it out to us uh, in Scripture here that we can see uh, here in Luke chapter 24 after Jesus has uh, come down and lived his life and and he's done his ministry and he was arrested and crucified and, and risen again that he comes back and meets up with a couple guys on what is known as the road to Emmaus. That these two guys are just walking along talking about Jesus with him and they have no idea who he is. They have no idea that Jesus is there with them. It's kind of this candid camera or gotcha moment as they're walking along. And they know all these, these stories of Jesus and everything that's going on and all these rumors. And they're just not sure what to make of Jesus as they're walking along talking. And so Jesus does what Jesus does. And he interrupts and pops into the story here in Luke 24, verse 25, where it says this. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two men told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Jesus pops into these guys' lives as they're walking down, curious about him, all these rumors floating around, and he points out that all of Scripture, all that they had of their Bible is about him. That the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the very beginning of the Bible, that, that the history that they had, that the Psalms and the Proverbs and, and every single story that they had pointed to Jesus. That the whole story is about Jesus. That he's the hero. Now why is that? Why, why is Jesus the hero? What makes Jesus so special that he gets to be the hero of these stories? Or that he gets to be so important? The Apostle Paul, uh, later on in the Bible, writes to the church in Colossus. And he tells them why. In Colossians 1, starting at verse 15, he says this. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head 
of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue your faith established and firm and do not move from, uh, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. There's a lot of things going on here, but what he's pointing out here is he's saying the story is about Jesus because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, because Jesus is carrying the fullness of God, because Jesus is holding all things together, because Jesus is the one who reconciles us to himself and he is the one without blemish of any kind that Jesus is the better that Jesus is the hero of all mankind in fact if we were to to go through all the stories in the Old Testament if we were to look at Adam if we were to look at Abel and Abraham and Moses and David and Esther and pick out any story in the Old Testament they would show us a glimpse of who Jesus is But it would just be a glimpse because even they fall short because the reality is Jesus is the better. He's the hero of their stories as well. But it's not just true of the Old Testament. In fact, if we were to to own this and apply it to ourselves, we would see in our stories that Jesus is the better. That he's the hero of our story. In our Gospel Fluency book, uh, Vanderstel puts a quote this way. He says this. He says, he's the hero, not us. Sometimes when I have people share their stories, Jesus is not a part of them at all. You might hear about church or religious practices, but nothing about Jesus. You might be surprised by how many so-called Christians have little to no Jesus in their stories. See, when it comes to understanding our story or even sharing our story with other people, I think at times we run into a couple of issues. I think, first of all, there are times when we make Jesus too small. Jesus is too small. Though when we tell our story, we spend a lot of time talking about what life used to be like. Uh, Back before I knew Jesus, I was selling cocaine to kindergartners, and I had a dog fighting ring in college, and I threw the remote and cussed every time my team lost football, right? And then I met Jesus, and things got better. Okay, uh, I mean, that's true, but Jesus is just a bit character in that, right? Like, he's small in that. There's so much more because Jesus is, is the hero of our story, Or we struggle because we think the truth of the matter is our story is just not sexy enough, right? And so we think about it and we go, hey, you know what? I I was born to a Christian family. Uh, I went to church all the time. Uh, I was in a praise band. I was in nine different small groups. I went to Christian school, Christian college. My middle name's Christian. Like Christian has been around me my whole life. The reality is that's making Jesus too small as well because it's not about us. He's still the hero. It's still about him. Or we struggle because we're just not really sure where we're at in the story. Like, 
we, we like Jesus, we love Jesus, we, we've been in church for a little while, we're, we're trying to figure these things out, but I'm not really sure where my, my story's at in, in this whole thing. Like, life has gotten better in some parts, some parts have gotten harder, things have gotten a little weird here, like, we're just not sure where we fit in in our story as well. And so today what I want to do is I want to walk you through how to tell your story. And in doing so, how to keep and understand that Jesus is the hero of that story. So what I've done is I've asked my friend Mike Kievsky to come up here uh, this morning. Feel free to give Mike a hand. And what we're going to do is we're just going to talk a little bit through Mike's story and kind of see how how telling a story in this way is going to help us understand some of the common things that we go through. So we're going to throw some stuff up on the screen as we're kind of just talking through Mike's story and and discussing. And you can kind of see how this fits into your own as well. So Mike, feel free to have a seat, man. Thanks for coming today. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, uh, background, family, things like that. Uh, landed here in DeWitt uh, about a little over three and a half years ago from uh, Chicago area. Uh, married uh, to my beautiful wife, Tina. She, uh, we've been married, uh, it'll be 20 years this March. Nice. Way to go. Yeah. And uh, I have uh, three beautiful children. Uh, Emma, she's first year of college. Uh, Madison, she's in 10th grade. And uh, Cooper, he's in 5th grade. Yeah, three wonderful, beautiful children yeah. that all look like Tina, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah, how, that's yeah. how that and works, And they get man. the smarts from her as well. There you so, go. Yeah, there you go, man. So, Mike, tell credit. us a little bit. Uh, if you were to say, hey, my story starts, like, here, where the beginning of your story would be, what, what would you define that as? What does that look like for you? Yeah, thanks. So, um, so I, I retired from the military, and uh, during that time... Uh, I met Tina, and uh, you know we we, we lived um, in Illinois and in Indiana, mm-hmm. and then uh, um, you know I, I came out of the military, worked for a, a firm in Chicago, okay. uh, started there, and rose uh, to the rank of a, a C-suite individual. You know I had the yeah. key to the executive washroom, so to speak. Ooh, you know, yeah, nice. and uh, but you know. Um, the more I became successful, I, I based my success on uh, uh, man, okay. right? Focused on what other people thought about me, and, sure. and so pride was a, a big issue for me. Okay, so you, you know? got out of the military, you started with, uh, with a company, and it sounds like you were really successful uh, in yeah. that, moved to the top, had your own executive bathroom, which I'm assuming is nice. Right. Yeah, I got to walk like all over yeah, the place to right? get a bathroom yeah, here, so nice. I'm just assuming. Uh, but so you're moving up the ranks, things are going really well for you at that time. Let me ask then, man, where's, where's Jesus at the beginning of all this? So uh, when I met Tina, uh, you know, I grew up in a church, mm-hmm. uh, a, a denominational church, and, you know, I consider myself religious. Um, I... We went to church every Sunday, uh, and then during the military, I sort of fell away from that. And uh, when I met Tina, though, you know, we, I, I, she started going to church without me, yeah. right? Because I was just, I wasn't interested. And, uh, she, and it was, but I saw how happy she was, sure. she was taking my daughter, so I wanted that as well. So I started doing that, and um, so Jesus was there, sure. but he was sort of, you know, it's kind of in the back. Yeah, in the background. Okay. Yeah. So what what happened, Mike? Would you say that there was uh, something that made you realize that what you had uh, wasn't good enough, or that there was something missing, or, or just didn't kind of give fulfillment? Yeah. Or, or I mean, was there anything like that that maybe occurred for yeah, you? Yeah. So the fall. Sure. Right. So, I um, I built a successful business. Yeah. And. Uh, 
I employed all uh, disabled military veterans. Very cool. It's great. Yeah. We help people all over the world doing crazy stuff like extortion, ransom, kidnapping events. Wow. And major medical and major terrorism. We, that was our job is to facilitate getting these guys out of harm's way. And uh, then all of a sudden it was gone. I built this great business from the ground up, and my company was, it was so successful that they were offered a lot of money just for us to go away from our competitor. So we, they sold us, and I was out of the job. Wow. But I had based myself solely on that job. My life revolved around that job. I was gone 90% of the time internationally. It's not really conducive to a good marriage or being a good father. And, sure. you know, and so it was gone. So you've, uh, you've built your way up in this company, done extremely well in this company, apparently. Yes. Uh, so much so that they actually sell the business away from you. Yes. So what, what does it feel like? What are you, what are you going through emotionally as, as you kind of have what was everything and then in a moment it's gone? Right. I, I, I had nothing except my family. Yeah. And then there's Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sure. Where I mean, is Jesus in this? Well, thing? now... Yeah. I, yeah. Come on up front, right? Because yeah. I need you. You know. Hey, come on. We yeah. Somebody pop up here yeah, real quick. Right? Sure. That's just not the way it's supposed to work, you uh-huh. know. But he's been there the whole time for me. Yeah. Right. He's never left me. Yeah. So. Okay. So so when you have this struggle and, and Jesus is starting to come to the forefront here a little bit more for you, uh, what what helped you through this problem? Like, I mean, obviously, if, if you've lost your job or things have changed drastically for you, I mean, what solves that problem? Yes. Um, so we, when we were in Illinois, we had gone to this big mega church, right? Mm-hmm. 5,000, 6,000 people, seven campuses. Sure. And it was sort of, sort of like uh, mimicked. We weren't as involved. You know, we went to church on Sunday and, yeah. again, the picnics and everything like that. Yeah. But and that was sort of like my life. It sort of mirrored my professional life and my spiritual life as well. You know, bigger the better. And, and uh, when, when that all happened... Um, and we moved to Indiana. Uh, we started to plant, we planted a church. Very cool. We helped plant a church. Yeah. And, uh, and that was sort of like the rebirth, you know, growing from nothing and building it up again. So That's very cool, Mike. So then as, as you're beginning to see uh, maybe a different church experience or all of this, like where's Jesus in this moment? For yeah, you? so he, he's right there now. Yeah. He's, he's walking alongside of me and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, that would be, you know, the the new creation, you know. I mean, it's like, uh, it's hard. So I got baptized again uh, in that church. Yeah. You know, I wanted to proclaim that, you know, he was sure. Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And, uh, so but, what's, cha- what's changed then as you've begun to have a, a deeper relationship with, with God yes. through, through His Son Jesus, is, as you've had the, the high moment of everything this world had to offer for you, you right. had it taken away from right. you, uh, you begin to recognize your, your need and desire for Jesus to be in your life. Like, what has changed then for you since you've experienced that moment? Yeah. So the other week, you know, through the series, you know, it was uh, Jesus is the better, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I still struggle with that, sure. right? Weekly. Yeah. You know, I I have a great job. Um, I have a great family, I have great friends, great church. And yet, I still find myself wanting more, right? Yeah. And, uh, but I, every day I give the, my day to Jesus. 
I, I start off doing that. You know, it's important for me to do that, yeah. to be reminded of that. And um, so if I can do that and I give that to Jesus because I can't do it, I, I recognize I just can't do it by myself. And uh, so he's, he's the better boss, you know, he's the better job, you know, he's the better father at, for me, right, being a father to my, sure. my, uh, my kids, and, you know, he's a better spouse, mm. you know. And uh, so if I can, if I'm reminded of that, and I am through my life group as well. I mean, I, just last week I was sitting there saying I, I just finished uh, um, some schooling, um, and uh, I said, well, what am I going to do now? And they're like, Mike. You you have what you you know you have it yeah and uh, so that's cool man so so after going through that whole story of seeing where you were um, how God is still in the background and, and makes Himself known and and the changes and everything that's come I mean how, what would you define how would you define Jesus to you now He's my Lord and Savior He's my He's my partner in life you know uh, He is the better and I know that He has a, a plan just for me. You know, just for me, and uh, and I just, I just, if if I stop trying to take it away from them, you know, I'm going to be that much better off. Very cool. Yeah. Man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for sharing. Your yeah, story absolutely. Thanks, man. So, how does this help us understand our story? What are we to do with these kinds of things? Hopefully you were able to follow along with some of the slides up top, but I think the first thing you can do is recognize what is your story? What is your story? Where, where, what is your creation? Where's your fall? Where's your redemption? Where's your new creation? Maybe take some time at home, outline these kinds of things. If you're not sure where you're at in your story or how things have worked out, man, take that time and look, okay, where was I at before? What caused me to recognize my need for something more? What was that something more? And what have I had since then? How is Jesus truly the better in those moments? And then I think from there is to stop and also ask, man, how is your story being written? Where do you see yourself at right now? Where are you at in all these different phases? What is it that God is moving? Where is Jesus in those particular places? Where is Jesus and God moving in your life right now? And then once you've analyzed those things, maybe stop and ask, who needs to hear your story? Who needs to hear your story, that it would be an encouragement for them? You know, there's a lot of times we get asked questions that we may not know the answer to. People want to know something about the Bible that maybe we just don't have the answer for, but the reality is you do have your story. And when you're able to point out, hey, this is what Jesus has done, how my life has changed, man, that can be more impactful than anything else. It's easy to go out through life and to try and think that, man, that we're Batman. That everything's about us. That we're the hero. Reality is I'm not even sure we're Alfred. And I know there's times in my life where I felt more like the villain. The truth is when we stop and step back and, and we look at our life, we look at our story, we recognize that not only is Jesus the better, he's the hero of our story.